Hi everyone, my name is David Gillespie and you are listening to High Shelf Gaming Podcast. This is a weekly podcast about role-playing games and board games and gaming conventions. Every week, I'm joined by my co-host Rich Wisniewski and we bring on guests to talk about the games that they love, the conventions they're playing them at, all that good stuff. If this is up your alley, please feel free to download, listen, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And you can always find us on Twitter at High Shelf Gaming or join us on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. It's a closed group. Click to join though and we're friendly to everybody and uh, you'll get to hang out and talk games with us all you like. Hey everyone, David here again with High Shelf Gaming. And as always, I'm joined by... Rich Wisniewski, host, a co-host with the most is what I've been told to say contractually. I like that. Domo arigato gozaimasu. <laughs> to my sensei of podcasting, David Gillespie, thank you. God, that's such a... Okay, yes. Uh, today, we are joined by my good friend, Mike. Buddy. Hi, Mike. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike. Could you give us a sense of kind of your gaming background? You don't have to do the whole life story but kind of how'd you get started into gaming sure yeah i actually um <clears throat> my family played a lot of tabletop uh games kind of like um uh, like dice games like um uh parcheesi and stuff and then like card games stuff like that when i was really little and then a little later on i got introduced to BattleTech. it was actually my first tabletop strategy game Ooh, wow. battle tech with the little minis yep. and you had to paint them and they're metal and they dubbed them by fossa was that fossa back oh, then oh yeah yep it was fast back then and it, and it was brand new i mean that was like yeah. Yeah, i want to say i want to say off the top of my head it was 86 when i think battle tech first came out um yeah. and i was probably it was probably that year that i played my first battle tech game and, and was that your parents Matt. your parents brought in battle tech no, that was at my probably my older cousin Matt's house in in Ohio. Uh, we probably went over there for Christmas one time, and he he uh, pulled out his minis, and I was like, "What yeah. are those?" Yeah, oh, yeah. What, good what job on uh, older cousin not introducing you to the weed, but instead what? introducing you to the battle tech. Well, he would have been that's, like that's seven really nice. or something. Like he would have been. Well, a good you idea. know how older cousins are. Like, in hey, Ohio, man, have you ever been? Yeah, right. In Ohio, it's more about uh, cuss words and uh, and gaming. So yeah, that's yeah, that's what Good I job. picked up was board games and cuss words. You know, I will <laughs> say that uh, podcast numbers uh, uh, shows that we have a lot of people in Ohio, like more people in Ohio than we do in Texas listening to this Ohio! podcast. That's funny. Big yeah. shout out to my bros in Ohio. It's, that's the Drew Carey kind of beginning. Y'all remember that show? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Of course. Big shout out to Ohio. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, okay. So Mike, what are we talking about today? What's our, what's our topic? Well, I suggested that we talk about DMing. Yes. Or GMing. If you're not a D and D. Yeah. And so RPG those acronyms mean dungeon master, which is old school. That's that's yes. that's Rich's time, and then that's right. Now, game master. That's new school. That's you and I's generation. And Rich is shaking that's his the, head. That's the politically correct uh, <laughs> new age uh, millennial edition. That's right. That's right. Because you know it's no longer just about the dungeon. We have to be inclusive <laughs> of the whole game right. now, Rich. That's the deal. That's right. All you know, you guys could just call me the die master. Can <laughs> you kill everybody? Dice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about DMing, 
Um, and and some of the uh, there's a lot to unpack there, but we're going to focus on a one or two things. Um, I'd like to focus on making the story, making the game. So like um, the very beginning of the game. So anybody out there who is maybe DMing a little bit and they're going to start a new game or uh, they're in a friend group and they want to take their hand at gaming. Here's kind of an early step of just building the story or the world that your friends are going to play in. And it's not the whole world building, but just, a, you know, how do you put a basic story together kind of thing is what I'm hoping to get out of today's discussion. Um, so I guess with that said, um, Mike, what are some of the things that you do? You've got a set of players, you know, somewhere between three and seven, I would assume. And uh, how do you go about building the the story for those for those players? Do you do like a, sh- a session zero where everybody sits down and talks? Do you say, hey, this is the story I want to run? Kind of how do you how do you go about doing that? So usually when I'm putting a group together um, or kind of feeling the waters out, um, I won't necessarily have a, um, an overarching story set up already. A lot of times I'll just be like, I'll be trying to feel the waters out. A, who's played before? Right. B, are they a hack and slash player? Do they just want to do the combat or are they a role player or a little bit of combination of the two? And then I just try and figure out the first session. What what are we going to do that fits the group or what I think is going to fit the group the best? And I'll come up with a dungeon or I'll come up with, you know, a meeting in the tavern if there are a lot of role players that like to do that. Um, and I'm, I am not one of those dungeon masters who thinks that the cliche starting <laughs> session should not start like that. Like, yeah. Yeah, the, I'll the, happily the trope start people. Is, you meet in a tavern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the trope is everybody's meeting over a pint, and then <clears> and then the story begins. And and yep. uh, some people avoid that now because like, oh, that's so passe. But it's like, no, 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 no. This yeah. is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the first game. Like you know, characters might know each other. They might not. It all depends on your group. Um, but there's definitely a conversation that happens before that um, to find out. You know. Because if people haven't played before, that can be a really tough one to get them involved in. Because sometimes new players aren't super comfortable with the whole role playing aspect, so they, you know, they tend to be a little quieter yeah. in that sort of engagement. So a lot of times, it can be easier just to throw them into the mix. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, and, and you, you might start in the tavern, but now it's a fight. <laughs> yeah, 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 you you're in a tavern. There's a fight happening right now. Um yeah. and these four buddies and you have been have been, you know, getting along just fine for the last hour and somebody came along and smashed one of them in the face and now you're in a fight or something exactly. along those lines. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. you and you'll do D&D, you'll do sci-fi. I mean, I, I think all three of us will really kind of run the gamut in terms of types of games that we would run. Oh, and that much, yeah. that makes a big difference. So you talk about you got to get to know your players. Some players, they only want to play in fantasy. Some players don't connect with yeah. fantasy at all. You got to do a sci-fi thing. Um, so definitely, you know, having that pre-discussion of like, what do they want um, goes in. And one of the things I'll kind of throw in there is I think that players a lot of times kind of presume that the DM already has this whole uh, story arc in mind before before they are even invited to the game, 
you know, somebody's like, oh, what yeah. do you need for your story? And I'll say, I don't know. What do you want to play? I'll make the story around that. Yeah. Because if and it's I, a big, like, political intrigue thing and I've got four yeah. meatheads that just want to, like, crush stuff, it's like, well, um, I've built the wrong story <laughs> for exactly. my crew. And, you know, I, I used to be a GM that did that a lot because um, I would, you know, I'd brainstorm and stuff. And so I would just have, you know, super complex plots and big baddies all lined up and everything. And, of course, session one comes around and the party's going off on something else whoa, 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 whoa. you know what you just so. said a great thing session one and all of us have a session one like a literal the first time we ever sat down to dm yeah you know i'm not going to tell any of our ages because i know we're all over 21 so we can drink legally but <laughs> we you know mike when was your first game Dave, when was your first game DMing? And then, uh, you know, maybe I'll chime in with some history when we use stone tablets. <laughs> My first uh, dungeon mastering was actually done in Shadowrun. <clears throat> and that it was, I believe, second edition at this point, And it was in college. I had always been a player up to that point. Um, but something about Shadowrun really... Uh, got my juices flowing and I really wanted to run a game of it. Um, and so I just got my college buddies together that we were, everybody there was in a D and D game together. Um, and I was like, well, I'll run a Shadowrun game. And that way, you know, our GM can play mm -hmm. in a game. And I knew he liked Shadowrun a lot. So um, that was my first uh, game mastering experience. And it was, did you Fun. finish? Did you get through it? Did you did you guys get a little bit done? Like, like you're any of your first games, you get kind of done and go, okay, that was great. Let's do another one and start over again. How did it how did it come together for you? That was it was totally a trial by fire. I had never game mastered before, so I didn't have any tricks. And I didn't actually ask. It was kind of funny because in hindsight, I was like, why didn't I ask Jason, the guy who was our uh, dungeon master in D&D, <laughs> you know, for tips and tricks, right? I didn't ask him at all. Yeah, because as you're going, he's, you're probably looking at him and he's like, oh, you're going this way. That's weird. I yeah. would have done that. <laughs> yeah, but I totally I ran that game from start to finish and it probably lasted the whole year, if not maybe a little bit into the summer semesters. Uh, I, I ran it entirely by the seat of my pants. Nice. I had nothing planned. <laughs> nice. Nice. I had nothing organized. Yeah. But it, you know, it worked though, because the and players totally had a direction and I could, I could throw stuff at them and I knew the system well enough that I could figure out, um, you know, what would be too much to throw at them. Mm -hmm. And, so, and so I also game, knew the golden rule of GMing is that you make the rules up. So <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that's so an a-okay rule the rule yeah. book's there as a guide right not as an end all you're the you're the dm man it's your game yeah i'm rolling all my <laughs> dice behind the screen anyway and, and yeah i kind of got a hint there you said that the players knew the direction they wanted to go so was it really they were running the show like they were deciding which plots to chase and all that kind of stuff and you were just like cool uh you guys go here to try and do this thing so these this happens that was pretty much exactly how it worked. That's yeah. awesome. And 
Yeah. And it, that actually gave me a lot of experience for later on, which we can talk about in a little bit um, for some of my later games. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so my first game was horrendous. It was in high school. My buddy had been running a white wolf game. We were playing a werewolf, I think. I'm not talking about the first time you're with a girl. I'm talking about DMing. I am talking about DMing. Yeah. So oh, was, oh, the horrendous <laughs> wasn't the first time you're with a girl. Yeah, Sorry, no, okay. no. <laughs> Keep going. I mean that too, but different. <laughs> uh, so, so with this, with white wolf, um, we were all playing as werewolves and we wanted to get together because we got together like every week to play. Right. And of course you're in high school. So you're like in between classes talking about it and like you get obsessed, you get like really into it. And I had this idea in my head and the one night are uh, in White Wolf, they're called storytellers, not GMs or DMs. So the storyteller, my buddy was, he was tired. He didn't want to run it. I was like, well, Hey, I've got an idea. How about we just keep everybody's characters and I run through my idea. Oh, that was awful. Oh, that was (laughs) awful. It was such a bad idea because you know, one GM's head, the physics of the world are just different than the other DM or storyteller. And so when they were all in my quote unquote session, they were expecting the game to play like it had been playing. And I thought I was running it the way it had been run, but with my ideas and it was just terrible. Um, And so we all kind of took a step back. It's like, okay, that was not Canon. (laughs) That didn't happen. (laughs) And, um, but I did learn from that, that, okay, I have to, I have to do my own thing. I can't co-op somebody else's thing and just run a little mini episode unless it's like all a dream or something. Cause I just, I just didn't have it in me to uh, mimic well enough the world that the storyteller had made. It suddenly became my world, which would have been fine if I was running my own game, um, but I wasn't, right. I was running a session in someone else's. Um, so I definitely learned a lot. And the second time I ran, I had my own session, my own game. And, um, that was a lot better and um, and definitely learned a lot from that first experience and was very much the same of just kind of by the scene in my pants. Like I had a, a rough story and it would basically be like, oh, I think everybody's getting bored. Wham, something big happens <laughs> and, then, and just, you know, stir the pot real quick and and get everybody, you know, uh, back into it again. It's like, OK, now we're fighting. And then, oh, OK, well, let's go figure this out. And um and uh, I was able to basically give them reins of the story because as a kid, I didn't have it in me to like have a big plot and trust that we were going to get anywhere near it. You know, I just kind of let them determine all that stuff. These days I'm way more structured, but back then I was seen in my pants the whole time. Dude, super fun. All right. To throw in the little bit of info here, I got Y'all have seen Stranger Things and I know all the listeners have seen Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. That was us in the dining room of the old ranch style home where it had a little door to the kitchen and then another little door that went in the living room and my buddies would come over um, Dale by Dale and another couple guys, Randall, they would come over and we would, we would spend the night on Fridays and um, we would use that dining room. And, and of course my mom would come in at like four. Yeah, I need to get to bed. I mean, we would literally <laughs> just start gaming at eight and go until we finally got yelled at the first module. I still remember to this day is in search of the unknown. And there is a difference. Oh. The first DMing experience for me, this is, and I think this is going to carry through the entire podcast. I'm starting to feel this. 
my first DMing experience, maybe because I had the most lunch money left over, maybe because I like to read the most, but it was a module. Oh, it was like yeah. module, you know, six one for characters one through four in search of the unknown D and D. And it's, and there's a copy of it down there with tomb of horrors and a few other that are part of my favorite collection. And I read and I read and I read and I ran that event and I didn't have people go off the rails oh, because yeah. I, I knew my rails and I kept them yeah. in my rails. I didn't care if they liked hack and slash. I didn't care if they liked puzzles. There was an arc, <laughs> right? And I knew the arc and I knew the next pages. And that wouldn't, I wouldn't say I knew the last page when I started the first page, but when I was on page one, I knew what page five was. Yeah. And so I was able to handle and do a little improvisation, but at that time it was, you walk into a room and you <laughs> right. see a chair and desk and bedroll. Oh yeah. What yeah. Cause you're just you reading it. Now? You're just reading yeah. it right off the, off the page. And they're like, Oh, okay. This is like Almost, a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> there you go. That was going to be the next words. Almost a little CYOA, but we grew up on choose your own adventure. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. so me running that event and doing it that way was very linear. That is how, I, I almost progress all the time now. We're going to get into some discussion points, and I have methods to keep things linear, mm. and I have methods to keep things on a storyline. Um, but I look back at that first event. Oh, yeah. Dude, I don't know if we ever finished a module. I know we played <laughs> for like three or four weeks, you know, over every other week getting together at the Wisniewski house and eating pizza and playing D&D. But who gave a shit? We had so much fun. None yeah. of our none of our minis were painted. Um, it was just minis. a big piece That's... of paper, and oh, it looked like Stranger Things. I'm telling you, I watched that show, and yeah. I was like, Cassidy, that's your father. That's me. <laughs> and she's like, <"Ugh." laughs> Dad, stop telling me what the '70s yeah. were like. <laughs> it was the '80s, bro. But anyways, okay, back. <laughs> Back to our regular scheduled program of session one, preparing for session one. I just wanted to go back to our original session one. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. So um, the biggest thing that I do now that's different from back then is I now have a session zero where I get everybody together and we make characters together. We talk about what do they want to do? So, and I make it so that everybody at the table is involved in that discussion because if somebody says, hey, I want to do hack and slash, another person says, I want to do politics, well, they should both hear that from each other. And so that they know yeah. that I'm not forcing it. I'm trying to make something that everybody can enjoy and they can figure out, well, maybe maybe the hack and slash guy is the bodyguard to the politician. You know, maybe we can figure out a way to, to bring them in together to make them uh, make make both their entrance uh, interests in the game kind of in alignment. Mike, what do you think about session zero? I've done session zero before. Uh, as I've gotten older, I've found that it is much harder to do a, what David's describing is everybody together, all drawing up characters at the same time. So I do tend to, I, I do try and make everyone's characters like I'm there with them while they're making their character. But not necessarily at the everybody in the same room. Just you, Correct. as long as it's just you and that player. <clears throat> yeah and i and i do try and get them to communicate like the last game that i ran was for the first time in a long time a local group 
So and we do like board game nights and stuff like that. So I was able to actually tell people like, hey, talk about your characters like while we're here, at the, while we're setting up this board game. Who's, you know, who's drawn. So it was sort of a session zero, but it, it, everybody had already drawn their characters. So it was kind of like a so they got they still got to figure out kind of where everybody was before I, that first session. But, I, yeah. I, would, I would still consider that a session zero because you haven't played yet. Right. They've drawn up their character, Correct. but there's talking about their personality kind of a little bit of backstory maybe so yeah. they get a sense of who they're going to be playing against or with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Like I, I like the session zero cause it kind of gets everybody on the same page and um, you can establish backgrounds. You know, if people want to be related to each other, they can say, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we were brother and sister or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that can add a little bit to the game, I think, especially if it's going to be a long-term game. Um, you know, when you get stories like that, where char- where players are invested in their characters' backgrounds and the other players' characters' backgrounds, it adds a lot to a long-term game. Yeah, I think. Rich, what are you on sessions here? I'm I'm, I'm guessing a no. I'm, it's I'm, a no. Yeah, it's a no. They, you get like ten fucking minutes to prep before we start. <laughs> so show up with your character, or we're that's at a awesome. convention, and you get to look at your character, and that's where a lot of my experience has been lately. But session zero is ten minutes, and and sometimes yeah. things come up just like Mike said. Hey, I'm this character. You're that character. Why don't we make a backstory arc? But then I have that happen also in the game. Um, You know, sometimes people bring those bridges together and they ask, can I do this? And as long as they bring together a good thing, I never stop anybody. That's cool. I always go, shit, good on you, dude. That was great thinking. And I give them the ability to have that backstory at any time. But yeah, you know, the getting everyone together thing is just so hard. And I almost feel like, and, and, and dude, no offense. It just feels like it's, it's a wasted hour or two hours or three hours when guess what we could be doing gaming. Right. Right. So I I kind of in there crunching it. Yeah. 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 But, but again, I can, I can also feel that, Man, I almost don't even care what they think. They they got a story coming up. They're going to go through and they're just going to go through it. Yeah. And I think if I had like if I had players that I knew, like for instance, if I were if I were running a game for you and David and like Marcus and Daniel. I know everybody has played games before. I know everybody knows the system. Right. We could all roll characters up in 10 minutes and we could get on with the game immediately. Like I don't think I would need a session zero at that point. So for me, I think this session zero is more of a safety blanket for me so that I make sure that new players or players that are less experienced with the system are a little bit more comfortable with what they're getting into. Yeah. It, um, it, and that and is it's a, just that though. It's a safety blanket. I think <laughs> that, that might be a thing here is that, is that you and I tend to have a lot of newbie players that, you know, they're part of a friend group and they don't want to look dumb in front of their friends. And so yeah. you sit down and, and go over with them and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of extra pre-work. Whereas Rich, if you're running games at conventions, they might be new, but they roll up to the table and say, hey, I've never played before. And you're like, cool, man, let's get you taken care of it. Here's how you roll dice. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I know, I know how to yeah. roll dice. Like, no, no, no. Here's what it means when you roll these yeah. dice. And, and I almost have a little speech I give the brand new person. It's like, I've never played, but I'm here with my dad and he's, he, you know, he's played. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, here you go. Here's the two minute intro speech hold on and right. get ready yeah right right and yes that's, and that's the convention 
thing. Like mm-hmm. conventions can be, I would call them a trial by fire kind of thing. Cause it's, <laughs> it is, if you've never played before and you're going to like Gen Con to play your first D and D game, Holy moly, man. Yeah. More power to you though. <laughs> yeah. Wait, welcome to the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Now, you know, I will say the group I played with in Dallas, the, the longest, um, Oh God, Dave, it was before SKC. Oh wow! It's before you and I knew each other. Guys. Yeah, that was I met up with them. I, I kind of I I see that as a, I see that as prehistory. Like that's yeah. not that time did not exist. <laughs> I found his name on a bulletin board with one of those little pull tags where he was trying to put a group together. Oh wow! Like like and a cork board, nice. like a legit like a bulletin board. board, not 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 and, an online yeah. bulletin board. But yeah, uh, that's what we talked about the other day. I was over hanging out last week with him, and it was like, dude, can you believe we met because of a cork board little pull tab, and Again, we put this group together as strangers, but they were all older. They were all past the point of being new to gaming. Does that make sense? It was a lot. Now, we had someone that came in that was new, but that was, um, you know, one person out of the out of the group. You know what I mean? Everybody else had played so much. I don't think except for in a con, I've really met anybody that's like, oh, I've never done that. Maybe I shun those people. I shun them. You're shunned. Okay, you talk about the corkboard. These days, it's all online. Like a bunch of games that I know about are being played online. I think it's weird that I have a game in person. I think most games are done yeah. Roll20 online. Oh, I, I think, think there's people that charge the DM on Roll20. Oh. There certainly I, are. Yeah, I've seen some of those. Um, also, if you're like super active in, um, for instance, the D&D subreddit, um, there's a couple of guys on there that even like I recognize their name as consistent GMs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you know, if I were really active in that community, you know, just like most online communities, I wouldn't call, you know, them friends, but you at least start to get to know people and kind of what kind of games they like and, and that sort of thing. So you could easily, I imagine it would be easy enough to join, you know, a, a group like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. From a community that yeah, you're think, already familiar with a little bit. Yeah. And I, th- but I think again, the online, I think there's a lot about the online communities that blends well with the stereotypical demographic of a tabletop gamer. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, a lot of us are not, <clears throat> extroverts were not people <laughs> who really like to go outside daylight yeah but uh you know so the online interaction can really kind of help that like you you're you don't feel as shy as you might if you were to show up at a at an open gaming night in person yeah a hundred percent i'm so safe right here yeah. behind my microphone yeah but exactly. in real life it's a different story sure, and yeah. it's really funny you say it that way and it does fit into i think the the culture of who we are and, and how we've grown up so so yeah. getting back to the story a bit this is one of those things you talk about introversion i that's one of the things i love about D is that i can make a story where my introverted players my more introverted players can get more and more leading roles Yeah. You know, where where they can they can flex a little bit. They can they can have a little bit of power and, and, and throw that around and see what that feels like. Whereas a lot of times, you know, a, a shy person might not feel like they have a lot of um, power over others around them because they, you know, they don't uh, they don't 
uh, speechify or anything like that. And, and they don't really rally people, but their character can rally some people. And so a lot yeah. of times I'll do that. I'll take a, I'll take a player and I'll say, I'm going to give this player a, a situation that their, that their character is going to be in that they as a person are never going to have been in from a, a social perspective, you know, a leadership mm-hmm. perspective or something like that and, and, and see how it feels to them. Do they love it? Do they hate it? You know, do they run away from the responsibility? Uh, right. I, I love doing that. Whenever you talk about a player's personality, I love putting their character into a place that is not like what they're, what they as a person would be in. Wow. Good on you. Good on Sometimes you. Sometimes it turns out not so good. It's I've true. done that before yeah. too. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it turns out where that was like, wow, that did not work. But hey, yeah. that's fine. There's a whole new thing great. to deal with. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I but, know that the, the modules I, I either write or run, they 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 do focus in on allowing every character class to have their opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, almost every module has that kind of breakdown that everyone has a moment to be in the sun. And I try and write things to where people all have a moment in the sun, but I don't base it on that person. Again, it, it may be that the con, you know, going to cons much more over the past five to 10 years mm-hmm. um, has related to that. But I think that was also there before. So, um, maybe more impersonal were my games versus the games you're putting together. So, and Mike. Maybe so. Uh, uh, maybe. Rich, I do want to ask you, um, whenever you're writing a dungeon, like I've, I've heard of this DM tip and I want to I want to know if you use this. Let's say your dungeon has a fork in the road and the players have to choose left or right. Is is one path they they make whatever choice it is like let's say they want to go left, do you just put the same room you would have put in front of them anyways? No. Oh, okay. So there is totally just different branches mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. You your railroad is not so linear as to say no. Actually, there is only one path. You think you're making choices, but you're always going down the path that I've already laid. <laughs> oh, you're going to end up back at the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All 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 roads lead to. All- all, all roads, roads lead to, lead to yeah, yeah. All, leads, all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you just might have an easier way of getting to Rome. Yeah. Or instead of having more of a hack, you might have more of a uh, investigate. You need to do a little sneak. magic instead of having a little bit of magic. Maybe you gotta have a little bit of thief. There might be some mixes in there, but yeah, no. All lead, all 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 roads lead to Rome. Okay. All right. Yeah. So destination is the same, no matter which track you take. That's right. Got it. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. I Mike, like what, do you do anything like that in the? Um, Whenever you're setting things up, do you uh, do you have like a little um, way that you like to position your players or or within the story, that kind of thing? Or, or what, what's that look like for you? I really try to um, I really try to make it feel like my game is totally seat of the pants. <laughs> and a lot of that's because it is seat of the pants. <laughs> I knew some, it. That's exactly what well, I was going to say. And I say that, but there, it's the minutia. I've learned that I need to just drop the minutia. So I don't typically arrange for they need to go to this specific inn in this specific town to get this specific piece of intel. You know, like right. I, I, I really try not to have that in my brain because then I'll focus on it. Then I'll be like, how do I get them there? Oh, right. Yeah. So if, so it's what the, I'll do, if it's the Green Dragon Inn where the informant is, but they don't you describe all the inns and they're like, screw that place. That sounds hoity toit. I want to go to the yeah. the the drinking hole. It's like, oh, right. Well, the information's so I, in the Green Dragon Inn. How are they going to get there? So then you have to do this convoluted oh, thing. It's like, no. no, no, you just move the so informant I, to the drink hole. Yeah. But that's so where I, go on. What go I on. tend to do is I'll come up with three or four different plot hooks. So either. 
the informant or I'll have an item like a, like a piece of Intel that can be found in a chest mm-hmm. or, um, or a damsel in distress um, or, you know, something along those lines that I can just insert into whatever it is the party's decided that they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So if they've decided that they don't want to pick up the, the real easy plot hook that I threw out, you know, last session by the guy that they interrogated saying, go to the green dragon Inn." Yeah. They're yep. like, yeah, that, was, that seemed boring. We're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to get into trouble in the city and we're going to go find, we're going to chase this guy off into this Canyon and we're going to run across this Dwarven stronghold or something like it, sure. that totally was not planned for. I have behind me, I have a, a folder, a binder that's full of dungeons that I printed out, like just little maps of dungeons. Nice. Which has helped me so many times because I can just go in there and I can just say, okay, you stumble across this dungeon. And and of course, they're going to go into the dungeon. Oh, yeah. I've never had a party that didn't say, oh, Oh, a dungeon. Let's avoid it. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, a dungeon. Let's ransack that mofo right now. (laughs) Dude, I want that. I want that binder. I want your binder full of dungeons. That's that's a brilliant idea. Is it called the Tower of Gygax? (gasps) No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, but, listeners, uh, you haven't heard, but we did a we did an episode about Tower of Gygax, which is a Gen Con event, and they have this folder full of dungeons and puzzles. I'm like, I want that folder. I want it so bad. Yeah. Just something that I can go in and grab a bunch of stuff. So the fact that you have something like that means I'm I'm coming over. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a photocopier. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <I'm here>. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. I actually have an app that I found the other day that was suggested to me. It's called the Archivist Elements, and it's on Android. I don't know if it's on uh, Apple or not. Archivist Elements. Archivist Elements, and it has, it's a really nice kind of quick, I just need something fast. It'll generate random sets of names, random kind of odd characters. It's all RNG-based, so... Sometimes you get some misses, but it'll also do like tavern layouts and smaller dungeons um, from a whole series of places. So they're pretty random. And so I've used that once um, because I found it like just before the last session of my D&D game. But I did use it and I I really dig it. So anybody out there needs a a random generator for their dungeons. That's awesome. Their party wasn't supposed to go to. That's Check awesome. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Archivist Elements, we'll link that. We'll find the, the, the yep. if there's an iOS version, we'll link that too. So in the show notes, there'll be a, a link to the Android. And if we can find an iOS one, we'll do the, uh, the iPhone one too. Rich, what do you do? It's really funny. I, I think I'm starting to feel like I just don't let my players have freedom. <laughs> <laughs> they have freedom. They have I am freedom. starting to feel like they have the freedom to make the choice I would like for them to make. Um, <laughs> that's right. Or they can know, get hit with your DM stick. Where you're like, right, right, there's the dragon. You know, I, I got a reoccurring <laughs> character named Kaman. And um, sometimes <laughs> sometimes his name is Kaman the Great. And sometimes it's Kaman the Merchant. And sometimes it's Kaman the Keep, the Keeper. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I have this reoccurring character named Kaman. And Kaman, oh Kaman. We'll tell you, this is great. I need you to go to the Green Dragon Inn. And come on, is my guy that keeps people on the plot. To where oh, yeah. that, that group I referred to before you, pre, pre-DG, 
we'll yeah. say yeah. pre GG. They they joke about come on because we would be doing a module and come on would come out. <laughs> and come on just again he pops out of anywhere, right? He pops out of anywhere. But his whole job is to get you back on fucking track because I don't want you to go chase a guy down a cavern or or down I don't want you to chase a guy on horseback and go into a double-ended blind pass and find a dungeon. I don't because I wrote this whole other fucking dungeon that I fucking want you to go to. So that's kind of where come on is my guy. Um the, the, kudos to you guys. I don't know how you do that. I seriously I, don't know I, how I you will guys say do that. Rich I I will say that I would not I would be totally on board with your method of DMing if I was doing it at a con regularly. I I just love the vision of they're chasing some rando bad guy that you're just trying to get him away from the players. You're like, oh my god, um, he runs. And they're like, oh cool, we chase him. Yeah, so get away, and I went to stop. He dies, and come on, the sheriff comes up. Do you see? This is how I'd solve that problem. The guy dies. Come yeah. on, the sheriff shows up, and we get back on fucking track. And come on, is in like part sheriff outfit, part chef's like apron, part like all these other characters you've made him play as. He's just like, I got a ramshackle of clothing on. He's like, come on, you've got to go somewhere else. <laughs> Have you ever seen DJ Snake get low when the whistle blows? And they got those chic outfits on. That's how I see come on. And that's just always how I've seen come on all these years. <laughs> that is hilarious. Dude. I love when it. The whistle blows. I love it. That's funny stuff. But no, I do that with my regular groups too. So, so um, I, but, but obviously I'm running a way different. Yeah. Being the experience than you guys are. Mm, yeah. And I wonder if that comes with the pre 10 years of module usage versus Hey, I'm just going to sit down with this uh, White Wolf book, mm. or I'm just going to sit down with Shadowrun. Yeah, I'm going to make okay. something happen. See, they, we didn't have that. We just right. had D D Blue and Red. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, uh, or yeah. Red and Blue. Uphill both ways in the snow, man. You guys had yeah. it rough. I know. Was, we barely had anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I, I think I that gets us into bike. how do you deal with players when they go off the rails? So you have an agent. This 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 like multi tool character that just shows up and just oh, don't make come on show up twice because I'm fucking killing someone. But anyways, yes, yeah, so, I, I use I use ways to push them back, right. and you guys don't. You guys yeah. just go. Let's see where this goes. Well, sort of. Like like I was telling, like I was saying, I have ways that is going to take them back because sure. they're going to bite eventually. Right. You, you gonna, sprinkle it, you, you redress it up. You make it a mystery. Yeah. Now you make it something different. Yeah. yeah. Sprinkle yeah. it in there. And, 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 or do you just Mike? do you just like scrap if they're not interested in that at all? Do you just scrap and write a new? Oh, there's totally. Yes. Yeah. There's totally been times where they have, you know, the party's gotten so far off track that I'm just like, I don't even know how I would bring this back um and have it make sense right like i could bring them back but like the original thing would have already happened by now so um I, so yeah i've totally done that and and what that what i usually do for those when that's happened i'll grab a couple of those dungeons out and i'll try and blend them together into one big dungeon so the party sends a spends a session or two just in the dungeon which gives me time in between those sessions because I know they're just going to be doing the dungeon. Mm -hmm. It gives me time in between sessions to build up 
you know, the over the overarching story again. Yeah. Um, in a new direction. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't even happen. Sometimes the party makes their own, uh, their own direction entirely. They offend some big wizard or something. And yeah, yeah. now they're on a new hook, which is great. I, yeah. I love it when they do that. Um, I, I would prefer my players to have a clear goal for their character. And for me to just almost be a passenger to their own ascension, you know, yes, to their own thing. And yeah. I just throw stuff at them. Like, cool. Uh, yeah, here's somebody who can help you, but they have a problem or they're going to double cross you or whatever, you know, that's, uh, yeah. that, that takes the leadership of the story off my plate. Um, what I'll do, uh, my most recent game, and I think that my players have figured it out now, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna feel bad telling it here. My most recent game, I have a big module that I've read through. It's like a huge book. It's like a 200 page module. Um, and I use that as inspiration for a lot of like there's a there's a big plot going on in my game and if they don't engage with the big plot big plot is going to happen whether or not they do it right the big bad guy is i mean he's he or she is not going to stop trying to win the world whether or not my players get engaged um but i do have this module in there to help me uh give them places to go give them uh hooks to find uh, uh and i can seed in hints about the big big bad guy plot or the uh, couple of bad guys right now as as it is in my story um, that are warring with each other and the players. Um, But I can feed in little hooks within the module. So I take a module, I've got all this cool stuff in there and I'll sprinkle in little bits of my story in there so that whenever they get out of the dungeon or whatever, they've got more pieces for the big plot. But I will totally be kind of a jerk in that if they don't engage with the big plot, big plot is still going to hit the world. I mean, I, I steal from stuff all the time. I've got some old second edition modules and then some old, uh, like for Shadowrun games, I've got a couple of Shadowrun modules as well. And I have stolen hand over fist from novels, movies. Yes. Whatever. Cause I mean, yes. like everybody yes. wants, everybody wants to be their favorite yes. character from a movie or everybody wants yes. to be their favorite character from a book. And why not? Why not? Nothing wrong with it. It's about leaving reality for a little bit, right? Yes. It's about having yeah. a good time. It's about ensuring they have a good time. And if yeah. part of that is you, you steal from material that's, that's known, that's good. Yeah. Man, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. What's that T. Elliot quote? What's that? What is good writers? Good writers borrow, great writers steal. Steal. <laughs> Love it. Now, speaking of borrowing and stealing and, and seeing and other things, something I uh, you guys haven't picked, you haven't said yet that, that I do, and I've been incorporating much more, like this last Doctor Who game I ran um, over at the uh, Alcon. Um, I actually, not only did I have printed media that I provided for the players to view, such as, oh, here's a folder with this information in it, and they get to look through the folder. I had pictures. I had a movie clip that was on my phone. What? So I kind of tied in multimedia and paper media to, to give things into the room. Just like when, if you run to my hoarders, you got to hold up a picture and say, yeah. the door looks like this. And so I've incorporated bringing pictures in um, to my games to give people you know, the ability to um, maybe see, understand, help me relate what's in front of them. Do you guys incorporate those things? Man, 
I feel oh, yeah. so outclassed now. No, I'm all theater of the mind, dude. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll oh, draw. No, I love. I like. I'll have a picture on my phone, like the Doctor Who. Yeah, and it was. It was. It was supposed to be a memory recall. Well, the only two people that could see it were the Doctor and the one. Uh, and Clara, we're, we're, we're the, you know, the one person with the doctor. And so I had this on my phone. I didn't show it to the other players. I showed it to the doctor and Clara. I didn't tell them they couldn't tell them what they saw. Sure. I couldn't tell them they didn't tell them what they didn't remember. One group did, one group didn't. Oh. One group said, oh, you know what I just saw and explained it. One group just went, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. and and so I, I love it what do you what do you think mike what do you do in that set was such do you I've, do you bring in media i i have in Shadowrun. i because it's a little bit more modern so it's easier to bring in things like handheld devices and you know video footage and stuff like that so like yeah i've found um yeah not a lot of parchment like from cct hanging footage. around your yeah. uh, your house <laughs> no i'll make oh yeah but i'll make old printouts i'll make a printout yeah. that looks like old oh, parchment wow. just to kind of give it flavor i'll do um i do a lot of notes actually for dandy um like if i know that there's going to be um some secret stuff coming up i'll write out notes but i don't usually dress them up so i don't yeah. usually like I love notes. Oh yeah, look old and stuff. I love notes. Oh, yeah. Notes to me add yeah. a whole thing to the game. Even if yep. this this says nothing, but don't tell anybody it says nothing. I have passed a note multiple times to a character that says this says nothing, and don't tell anybody it says nothing. Right. And that's, it's that's all some mind about games. that's some mind set, games. <laughs> that's all about mind setting games. the game. Yeah, it's man, all Rich about is, setting it. Rich is totally the uh, the player hater rolling dice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're, I bet while they're walking down the hall, you're just like you're just like dropping the d twenty behind the screen, and they're like, "What's uh-huh. that?" And you're like, "Nothing. Don't worry about it." Nothing. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah it. I got a I got a shirt that says uh, <laughs> "DMs don't kill people." Oh wait, they do. <laughs> and I'm gonna wear that to Gen Con. But yes, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The most the most uh, psychological games I play with my players is I just. I refer to all of my dice when I'm behind the screen as player haters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love like that. It. I, I love I'm it when you're playing. I've played stealing. in your games where you're like, oh, the player haters are out. And we're all like, oh, man, this <laughs> oh, fight's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and the barbarians are dropping crits on us. We're losing players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, uh, the uh, the behind the screen aspect is critical to the whole thing. Like all oh, none yeah. of this happens for me if I'm if uh, if I'm not behind a screen because I have to do yeah. some rolling to be like, oh, yeah, sorry, bro. You got you got yeah. or to say, no, no, no. Uh, they just barely didn't kill you. You know, yeah. it's just uh, maybe I'm not quite and ready for this character or I don't want this character to die in this way. I want them to die yeah. in a heroic way, not in a like a goblin rock problem, you know, like yeah. something. And dumb. that's how I, that's more often than not the most, uh, you know, dungeon mastering that I do is, is saying, I didn't want to kill that character, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, it's usually not, I want to hurt somebody. I'm usually not making successes where there weren't any. Usually it does happen. Sure. Well, if, if somebody, if somebody, if somebody's getting away with it a little too well, you're like, yeah, Mm, no he hits you yeah so yeah. when we talk a little bit about keeping yeah. people on track how much do you balance um if i had to pick a number for me i'm gonna go with Prado. it's probably an 80 20 i probably don't balance 80 percent of the time but that 20 percent i balance how about you guys yeah. i'd probably say it's similar 
Now I've had to, it probably shifts more 60, 40 when I'm in groups that are larger or smaller than for D and D an example, like the typical party size is four. So when you're up into like seven player range, it can be, it can be sometimes tricky to balance. Yeah. I'd, I'd say it's about right. 80, 20 is probably about accurate for me too. I had this one fight this last session. Okay. I have a general and his pet dragon and they show up and dude fucking sorcerer does a prismatic ray against my dragon rolls the, the death ray. Yeah. He, he, he makes his roll. It's like, okay, cool. It's all right. Well, my dragon has a save fails this save first round of combat sorcerer <laughs> takes out my dragon. Zap. I was so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> Dude, I might let that roll. I, I might let that pass. I, to me, that is oh, one dude, of those. No, no, no. That, absolutely. Okay, yeah. The dragon died. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they watched just, that fight. They wow, watched that fight. Happened. But, but, and, and it's amazing when it does. And sometimes yeah. you got to give them a good pat on the back. Totally. But, you know, it's one of those things like this was going to be kind of a climactic fight because they had been yeah, going yeah. through all this stuff. They finally found the general. The general has this dragon they didn't know about. And it was going to be epic. And they pff, dragon's dead. And then they just mob the general. It's like, okay, never mind. Yeah, that feels like that feels now, you know, I'll go with Mike Tyson. I'll go with the Mike Tyson quote that everyone has a plan till they get punched. Right. And that's yeah. kind of what that sounds like. Totally. He had this great plan. He got punched. Game over. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. hey, good on them. Good on him for picking the right spell. Good on them yes. for 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 pressing the advantage. But it was just one of those things. I wanted it to be more epic. And it just wasn't. It was like, oh, okay, well, you guys did phenomenal. Good on you. I wish I could have given you more of a epic climax, but I try, this was still I a lot try of fun. to remember David, I try to remember that the players probably think that's pretty freaking epic. Yeah. Good point. Good point. That's a really good GM, point. It totally takes the wind out of your sails, right? I I totally feel you. So I always have to remind myself, I'm like, they don't feel that way about it. <laughs> that's that's a really good point. Actually, okay, that's probably a good thing to yeah. kind of end on is that yeah. as a DM, you might feel like it's not going well. But if your players are like clearly having a good time, obviously it's going well. That yeah. is the key to the game. That it's to me huge. is the key. Yeah. The, the whole idea of what I'm doing in this module is just a story arc. It's just a place in there. And, and really you got to engage them and you got to let them have their moment in the sun. And that's why I try and, and read a module or do a module or write a module that lets the different classes have different yeah. moments in the sun. And uh, that, that really is what people walk away from and they enjoy, you know, they, they want to do it again. That whole yeah. thing we talk about with games, when you get done and you go, ooh, I want to play that again. Um, yeah. That's a good sign. So, yeah, I, I yep. think it is all about that. Well, that's really cool. I'm uh, I'm glad we had this discussion because you've, one, given us a lot to kind of work on. And two, completely made my game better for me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good point. That was really nice and yeah, insightful. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, Rich, do you guys have any other kind of things to point out? You always roll 20s. That's about it. That's right. As always, everyone, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. If you have feedback for us, please find us on Twitter, again, at High Shelf Gaming, or on our Facebook group, High Shelf Gaming Podcast. Of course, we're on iTunes and Stitcher as well, so feel free to leave us some feedback or a review there. 